Uh, today, though, is the final week of this series, and what I really want to spend our time talking about is how to uh, talk about the things that we've been dealing with for the last several weeks, how to either talk to our kids or maybe our peers or talk to family members, friends, you know, about these very things that we've been dealing with in, in this series. If you are a parent, talking to your kids about this stuff is, is so important. Maybe perhaps some of you are in your teen years and you have friends that don't believe the way you believe. I'm going to give you some helpers on how to have some of those conversations. Maybe you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you have people and friends who don't believe the way you believe. This will be a helper as, as well. I do want to be clear that as I start this talk, I'm going to be hitting on some topics that uh, it's possible some of you uh, will say, well, you know, thank you, Pastor Gary, for sharing some starting points on these conversations, but the situation in my home and family, it, it's, it's really deep, like what we're dealing with, and I don't know, Pastor, if your little helper today is going to be uh, the end-all to the struggles we're having with sexuality in our home, uh, sexual conversations, and you're right, this, this may not be the answer. Uh, what I intend to do today in a short time is give you some starting points in those conversations things that you absolutely can do, uh, but it is not intended to be the end-all, answer-all for all of our ills in our culture and society uh, related to uh, sexual orientation, sex in general. And so I'm just, just kind of throwing this out there that these should be basic things, though, that we embrace as Christians, absolutely, and be, these should be very basic things that you're teaching in your home if you do have kids or in friendships and relationships. And so what I wanted to uh, start out and just kind of say this, uh, if you got kids or in any way that you're going to have this dialogue, I put in your notes, uh, when you talk to your kids or anyone, the conversation should always be biblically based. All right, if we're going to communicate uh, the truth about sex and sexuality to other people, it should be biblical based. In other words, you're, you're steering clear of your opinions and you're pointing people to truth. You see, if you are a Christian, what you believe is that the Bible is 100% the authority of the Word of God. There's no error. There, it's, it's infallible. It is 100% the truth. And you should stand firm on that because the data you know, out there today and you know, all the history and all, the, all of it points to the fact that uh, the Bible is always accurate, it's always true, and it is trustworthy. We live in a culture today where you, you understand opinions can be very dangerous. Uh, there's a lot of lies out there, but we have a truth that is a foundational piece to what we believe. And so you should make sure that in all those conversations uh, you're going to have, it's rooted. I'm not talking about barking out scripture to people. I'm talking about it's rooted in God's word, what it is that you're going to, to share. Uh, just as a side note, I, I put in your notes, like, here's what we believe, all right? You know, starting from Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth all the way through to the very end of the Bible. Uh, we believe that it's all God-inspired, and it's all completely 100% accurate, and, and in fact, here's what it says as Jesus comes in the, in the New Testament. It says this, and I shared these a year ago on uh, some of these conversations that we have, but we, we go back to the Bible, John 1 and verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. So the Word existed, it's, it's been there all along, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God, he, now we're, we're calling the word a he, he was with God in the beginning. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus has been there all along. He comes down and makes himself known to humanity. The word comes alive. The word it takes on flesh and indwells among us. But what this is saying is that Jesus is the word. This is important. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. What this tells you and I is that, hey, you know what? The, what we see, uh, what we see in, in the life of Jesus, it's God, the Son, comes from the Father, who's been there all along, part of creation, very valuable to know, because what we also know is that Jesus proclaims, because he is who he says he is, that because he is the Word, he says the Old Testament, he says it's me, and now the New Testament is him. And so we take the Old Testament and the New Testament, putting it together and say, this is God-inspired. And it becomes the foundational piece for the way we live. Paul reiterates this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be equipped Equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is that God-inspired word that allows you to have the dialogue that you need to have, that equips you to have the tough conversations that you need to have. It's God's word. And we depend on God's word because, again, it is the absolute truth for our life. Now, I recognize that uh, for some of you, that having conversations about the truth about God's word is difficult for you because some of you might call yourself a Christian, but you haven't come to this place of understanding that the Bible is the full foundation for your life and it is 100% accurate. And so the ability for you to teach somebody else, you know, that this is foundational for your life is a struggle because you have not fully embraced this for your own life. And that is certainly problematic. I do want to say, though, that uh, this is a, an understanding that if you call yourself a believer, that you make this a foundational piece for your life. And now once it happens this way, you are able, I believe, to share in love and in truth uh, what the Bible says and what is foundational for your life. And then I put, we're going to move from we're going to move from understanding, of course, that our teaching with other people is going to always be Bible-based, but it's going to be God-identity-based. And, and so the best thing you can do, I think, if you're having conversations about sex and sexual identity, is to focus on identity. And as a believer in Christ, you have an identity, and it's very clear. It should be clear. This identity that God has written on your heart it comes alive when you become a believer in Christ. You know why you exist. You know the purpose by which you are alive. You understand that, that God sees you in a certain way. He made you in a certain way. He created you for incredible things. He created you male and female. You understand very basic truths like that. And they're centerpieces for your life because it's rich identity coming forth. When you understand your identity in Christ, it's freeing 
There's no longer this chaos and confusion. You know, there's no, oh man, what is this and what is, no, it is clear to you, right? We live in a culture today where there's so much confusion about sex and sexual identity, true? God is not the author of confusion. He is not. So wherever you see confusion existing, God is not. God is clear. He is, again, I said he's freeing, and he brings rich identity, so you don't have to guess any longer. Keep it identity-based. What is the identity that Christ wrote on your heart, and can you clearly share and explain? Because it's that identity that you want to share with others to help them understand what God does when he gets involved in your identity. But we have an enemy who lies. And he loves to get involved in these conversations with inerrancy, with inaccuracies, with half-truths. That's the way he operates. He's a liar. And what does it look like when we raise up a generation or two of parents and leaders in our community and our culture who do not know the word of God, who try to speak into things, but they don't know the truth about who God is, what do we do when we're not doing our job as parents to teach God's word to our kids? What does it look like? Welcome to 2023. We have kids that are being raised up and now even adults that are utterly confused about identity and biblical truths. The job of the parent is to know these things, is to teach these things day in and day out to our to our children. The enemy steps into that vacuum, that void. He steps into it and says, no, okay, look, they're the Christians, they don't know the truth. They, they haven't really discussed, they, they don't know their Bible, so let me, let me manipulate humanity. And it's why we literally have, and I don't say this with malice, I'm just bringing this information to you, it's why we literally have young people who believe they're an animal. How in the world could we have a, an, a male who believes they could menstruate. It's confusion. God's not in that. He's not in that. And I don't say that with meanness or anger. I say it in love that we must know that we've allowed in some of the ways as Christians, we've laid down a little bit and just said, hey, you know what, let the world have it. Let, let the enemy have it. And, and, and he's having his way. And he does operate in these half-truths. You understand the way our adversary works uh, he just kind of manipulates things a little bit over time. That's the way he works. Let's just do it a little bit, a little bit over, over time. Like, think about it like this. Uh, if we were to consider our spiritual adversary, Satan, uh, he doesn't present to you a big, bold-faced lie that you'll just one day kind of as a believer jump right into. Like, let's consider an adulterous affair. You're married. Uh, that doesn't happen like, in one moment where you just say, yeah, I'm so happily married, and now, boom, or whatever, just gonna go. No, it happens little bits, right? Like she or he starts showing you attention a little bit, maybe at work and in other places, and there's messages, conversations. It's just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And over time, you know, you're all the way over here. But it happened in little bits of lies and increments. That's where we got to. That's where, how we got to where we are today. This is what it says about our adversary in John 8, 44. The devil is a murderer from the beginning. He's not holding on to, he doesn't hold on to what? Truth. What we believe in the scriptures, nuh-uh. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he's speaking his native language. That, that's what comes out of his mouth is lies. 
for he is a liar and he is actually, he is the father of lies. Jesus comes and says, I'm going to bring truth to humanity so that they will always know real truth. Our adversary comes along and twists it little by little, breathing his lies. Romans 1.18 says in time, you know, this is, this is what happens. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the what? Truth by their wickedness, although they claim to be wise. Ooh, look at me, I'm such a smart person with my sophisticated look. You claim to be wise, but in the end, they became fools. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It's where we are. You know, there's uh, two words that I think best describe where we are today and how our adversary works. I put in your notes. This is Satan's playground, and I've dealt with this in kind of helping people understand how Satan works, all right? But his playground is in these two areas right now in 2023 and always has been. Here's the first one. His playground's in relativism. Relativism says, well, truth is relative to the times. Truth is progressive. Truth can actually change. There's no absolute truth. How could there be absolute truth? I mean, come on, old preacher boy. I mean, you follow that old Bible. I mean, get with the times. That was truth then, but pastor, truth has changed. Don't you know there's a, not a real absolute truth in the Bible? Don't you know it changes over time? No. We, we don't believe that. What ends up happening, though, is there's a group of people breathing lies, all right, and we hear those lies, and they pull us away from the truth just a little bit at a time, all right, with the lie, and they pull us over just little bits more, little bits more to try to create a new truth for a little while. There's actually, you know, uh, studies about this that you know, it, it's basically a truth synthesis, and what it is is it says, okay, here's the foundational truth. If I can pull you away from your foundational truth for just a little while, it'll help bring a new truth into play. Let's create a new one. And as times change, we'll pull a little bit further and we'll create a new truth. And what it gives us is something that's honest. It's not truth because it's shifting. How could it be sh uh, truth if it's shifting all the time? But if we buy into that for just a little bit, we, you know, the enemy can, can move things, right? Go back to uh, the 1950s, all right? When uh, there was a time where people didn't get divorced and they honored the covenant of marriage and sex within the bounds of marriage. And, and you know, just not long ago, this was kind of a centerpiece to culture and humanity, uh, foundationally, biblically based. And, and then came the 60s. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And in the 60s, it's free love, and it's kind of do whatever you want, and eh, maybe you don't have to worry about being married, just have sex with anybody, really, and if you don't want to stay married, don't stay married, and over a period of 10, 15 years, culture shifted, and now what did that bring us kind of out of that? It brought us to a place where you may not really need to have the covenant of marriage, and it's okay to have sex with whoever you want, and we kind of adjusted to a new truth, at least culture did. But even the Christians did. Well, maybe that stuff is okay. Some of you right now is like, I, it's just old fuddy-duddy. Listen to him. I would say 
you don't have the Bible as a foundational truth for your life. And as Jesus said, you are an error because you do not know the word of God. Another part of Satan's playground is something called subjectivism. And subjectivism is just this, like truth is subject to what I think today. And uh, Satan loves this playground because you can literally wake up, this is subjectivism, and say, today is my new truth. Okay, today is my identity. I pick it today. Tomorrow could be different, but this is my truth. And oh, by the way, you need to submit and subject yourself to my subjective truth. Oh, I know you have your truth, but your truth is different than my truth. And we have a culture today that's breathing this. This is my truth. This is my truth. You need to abide by, by my truth. And so much of that is hollow and empty when it's put to the test. It's broken. Do a whole sermon and, you know, annihilate that if we wanted. We're not going to do that. But, but this is Satan's playground. And he, he loves it when people believe really in no absolute truths and, and decide to live however they want. Folks, I, I know that as I share some of the things I share in a topic like this, there's somebody who could look at me and say, well, you know what? You sure are an ignorant man. Uh, you are, you know, arrogant and tolerant. And, and, and I get that some people could think that. But we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. And your pastor believes in the 100% accuracy of God's word. And it's a foundation for his life. I want it to be for you so that you can discover real truth for your life and not the shifting sands. This is a topic that's not easy for churches to deal with right now. In fact, uh, there is a deeply prevailing within the church, something known as the script, and the scriptures talk about it, a tickling of the ears. Hey, you know what? It's a hard topic. Let's not talk about it. Let's not rub anybody the wrong way. Let's just make sure we have enough people to come so that they'll give their money. Let's tickle the ears. Let me give you a little secret in the church world. People, people aren't talking about this. Most of the mainline denominations in America today are failing. Amen. And do you know what they all have in common, most of them? Tickling of the ears. You'll hear, you'll hear something interesting in our culture today. People will say, churches aren't as attended as they used to be. Not as many people are going to church. You know where they're not going? To the churches that placate like that. They're not going there. Because we live in a culture today, still just like we did 2,000 years ago, people want to know what real truth is. And they're not going to churches that shift and change and close. The churches that are failing in America today are the ones that do not want to preach the truth. The churches that are growing and are explosive in our culture today, right now in 2023, are the ones who want to preach the truth. Because people deep down inside want to know, is there a truth? So... You'll hear these lies about churches, and, and, and there is a truth in that some are struggling, but what they don't want to talk about is what they all have in common. This conversation with our kids is not easy, let's admit it. <laughs> Broaching conversations with our kids about sex is, is tough. It's like, when, is, when do we kind of start this process with them? And it reminds me of a guy who shared a story about how... Uh, 
he uh, had this time where he shared this with his daughter and uh, they had this conversation for the first time. He was outside in the yard and he was working and uh, his daughter comes out and says, Daddy, 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 what is sex? And uh, he's like, oh, well, um, I guess we're going to have this conversation now. You know, I thought it would go down a little differently, but here we are in the front yard and so let's stop and have the conversation. So he starts talking he starts talking, and her eyes are getting big, you know, big, and, he, and he's looking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And then finally he says, baby, what's wrong? Like, what, what's wrong? Daddy, daddy, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but mama told me to come out here in the yard and tell you that dinner would be ready in a few secs, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you never know how these conversations uh, begin, but hopefully as parents, as parents, you're taking time to have regular conversations with your kids and instilling things in their hearts and minds. Of course, the tips that I'm about to give you, and I'm going to give you four ones here, uh, and they're going to be quick, but they're, they're, they're critical tips that I believe every parent and any of us could share with anybody who's not a believer to help explain why it is we ought to believe what it is we believe about truth in God's word. And so let me give you a few of these. Here's the first one you ought to be teaching and certainly foundational. It's this, bod by God. That I believe, Christian, we, because of God's word, we believe that our body was given to us by God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Here's what it says. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received? You are not, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal? Like, okay, look, it's my body, and I'll just do whatever I want to do with my body. Actually, it's not your body. This is foundational. It's not your body. And for us as believers, here, here's what we know. Like, okay, did you make your own body? No, God did that. He created it. Uh, in, in your life, when your body is fallen, which our bodies are fallen because of sin, did you redeem your body? No, God did that. Jesus did that. When you die and your body goes in the ground, God raises us. Did you raise you or did God raise you? God did that. When you're in heaven and God gives you a new body, did, did you give yourself in heaven a new body or does God give you a new body? God, all along, the scriptures are replete with this that say that body that you have belongs to God. And so because it's God's, we pay attention to what his word says in his direction for our bodies. This is a big deal. Like some of you are stuck right here on point one. This is hard for you. It's going to make it really hard for you to share with your kids or to share with other people until you understand what God's word proclaims about our own bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.13, the body is not meant, the body is not meant then for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Remember, in week one of this series, I was just sharing with you how what we have here in the scriptures is Paul speaking to the people of Corinth who are in a real sexual brokenness. 
identity, uh, understanding like who they are and understanding what sex is. I mentioned to you in week one, these scriptures that I'm going through right now all come from a time where it was Las Vegas times 10. Like it was seriously messy. And so I think these scriptures are really valuable for you and I because here we are in 2023 and it feels like we're on this kind of same trend. And Paul's just stepping in and saying, hey, let's get back to the basics. And I think these basics are important for you to certainly be teaching in your home. And Paul is like, don't you know, like this is God's body, and so it's not meant to for all of these other things. Have you taught your kids that regularly? Did you miss that as a parent? In the conversations with kids around your grandkids or even just friends, have you established in your own heart that you could boldly say, yeah, this is God's body? Here's the next thing I put in your notes. Teach that sex is sticky. I, some of you, your, your minds are drifting right now. You're like, <laughs> does he really know what he's saying here? Like, I know what you think probably. But I got a whole other thing I want to talk about here and help you understand how this works. And I hope you're teaching your kids this truth. L let me explain. There is a bonding sexually that takes place that we've talked about in this series that is that when it's right, it pulls things together very powerfully in a marriage and in a family. But when it's used the wrong way, that sort of stickiness, that connectivity gets, gets really out of bounds and leaves a lot of messiness. We, we were, we were uh, uh, at our home one night and the, we have an alarm system and had a false alarm one night. I didn't know it at the time. If you've ever had an alarm system and you're in the middle of the night and it goes off, it's like hysteria, you know. You, especially, you know, you're jumping out of bed and, and here we go, you know. And I've heard sounds outside before and, you know, and sometimes my go-to if there's sounds outside the house or something sounds a little off, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned my go-to might be my Glock, but on this particular night, you know, I went to the nunchucks. I pulled them out of the drawer and got the nunchucks because I was well-trained in Kung Fu Panda. And we, and so I'm really good. And so I grabbed the nunchucks and I did the thing, you know, and I'm ready to go. I'm gonna tackle whatever we gotta deal with. The alarm's going off in the house. And so I go to the other side of the house real fast because my girls are on the other side of the house. And so I run over there, everything looks really good. Run back to the other side of the house and I hit this table that has this thing that we left on overnight. It's one of these wax lamp scentsy things. You know what I'm talking about? I hit the table, the wax goes everywhere. I'm gonna tell you, it was red wax and it looked like a murder scene <laughs> all over my home, splattered everywhere. It's on the walls, it's on the carpet, wax everywhere. And the, the interesting thing about that is after the chaos of that night, like trying to clean that up, was a real problem. You know, we scrub the walls. You're trying to get this wax that is now dried off of your walls. And you get that off, you know, a little bit. But there's a residue there. I'll talk about that in a second. You get on the carpet, right? How are you getting that off the carpet? And so we tried all kinds of ways to get that off the carpet. And as a matter of fact, over the years, because of that one night, all right, uh, we would try to use the steam cleaner. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's just one of those occasions where you use the steam cleaner and for like three days it looks good. 
and then the spots reappear and the dirt reattaches to the wax or whatever it may be, and it's like, okay, it looks still the same, and there's these splotches all over the carpet. We would had the walls clean, but it seemed like every time we might try to paint there, whatever residue was from the wax like affected where we were painting as well, and so it didn't paint well. In other words, we tried to like deal with it, and it just felt like we couldn't. As a matter of fact, that messy stuff on the carpet and what we were dealing with there never went away until we just ripped out the carpet recently and redid the walls. And, and so like that stayed there for a really long time. Sex is sticky because when it's used in the wrong way, it, it leaves a problem. It's a problem. And, and you know, I think about it. Uh, there's so much just in what I just shared with you about the wax thing. Like, first of all, I think about in comparison to sex that, well, you know what? There, there could be a, a, a night that, that got out of bounds. And, and what happens on that night? It, it, it's there. And it's on you. And it's like it, it has happened. And, and it has done something like you were supposed to be united with your spouse, but you weren't but it's still there, and so how do we deal with that? And remember in week one, we said, hey, it's more than just physical. If you missed it, I shared one question that said, here's how you can easily prove that sex is more than physical. And you can go back and listen, but, but we established that right out of the very, very beginning. And we said, we understand it's more than just that. So now something has happened. It's like it, it's taken place, and it's there. So how do I deal with it? And I think for some of you, like trying to use the, the steam cleaner, uh, if you don't mind, it's like, how do I overcome this? What can I do to sort of fix this? How can we hide this, suppress this, or make it go away, or try to do it again, and maybe it'll be different the next time? And we go through this process of trying to handle it, and we can't seem to handle it. And the truth is, the way you deal with it, it's a remodel. It takes a gutting. When it's outside the bounds of marriage, it takes a remodel. And we've been saying every week in this series that though you may have messed this up, God can do a remodel and he can restore purity in your heart and mind. And so we know that a remodel is, is a big deal, but we got to remember that God can bring restoration. Here, here's what it says, though. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.15, do you not know that your bodies of mem- are members, we shared this in week one, are members of Christ himself? Shall I take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Again, that word unite. Sex within the bounds of marriage. So should we treat our bodies this way? No, never. Do you you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is joined? They're joined together. They are one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh. Yeah, it it was meant to be powerfully between a man and a woman in marriage. It was meant to be in this covenant expression between the virgin male and the virgin female as I shared uh, specifically in week two in that very special moment of that penetration that takes place in a new a blood covenant is, is, taking, is going forth in that moment. This is how God intended it to be and it joins and it unites and it bonds and it fuses. Sadly, for some people, 
the best way I could describe it is I've got one of these things. It's a lint roller. I don't know if you have these and if you've got pets are really important to have and if you've got, uh, you know, lint in general. And so, like, I, you know, use this thing around my house, a little lint roller, and get the lint off. And you know how it works. There's a sticky tape here on the outside, and that's how, you know, it gets the lint off. And, and if I was to use it on me, and then I walked out in the audience, and, and I put it on you and took some lint off of it. And that would be weird, I understand, if I came out and started rolling this on you. But let's just say I did, all right, and I went through enough people, eventually the stickiness on this roller, is, it's gone, right? It's gone. And I think for some people in the way they're living sexually, that stickiness is, it's disappearing. And it's why a lot of people get married and they say, I don't feel like our marriage is sticking. Because there's a lot of things that happen before marriage that maybe, maybe shouldn't have. And you know we can peel this off and have a fresh start. And again, we know God can do that. But what if we're giving away that valuable stickiness to all these people and it's damaging homes and families in marriage? Yep, it absolutely is. We know this, that our body is given to us by God, it belongs to him. We know we ought to honor God, and so uh, we remember that this thing called sex can be sticky in a kind of way. Here's the next thing I wrote, is that sex, we gotta remember, is messy. It's messy. It's okay for us to share that there are consequences of getting this wrong. Are you sharing these things with, with, with your kids? Are you sharing this with people who wonder about your faith? 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee, flee. We talked about this last week. Run from it, right? Run from sexual immorality. All our sins a man commits, they are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against their own body. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, hey, this is not a thing where we're seeing that sin there's certain order of sin. We're, that's not what's happening here. But what it is saying is that sexual sin can be very damaging spiritually, relationally, emotionally, we, mentally. Can, it has a lot of various effects. We know that any sin separates us from God, but there is something about this in the sexual realm that brings a devastation. And, and we've seen it, the pain and horror of sexually transmitted diseases, the fear and intensity of unwanted pregnancy, the guilt, the shame, confusion. I thought, you know, we were in love and we were gonna be forever, and I thought if I gave myself up to him, maybe he would be the one forever and ever, and now he's not, and this thing is stuck on me now, and what do I do with it? And we see all of this taking place in our culture, and folks, this is why you can more easily today than ever before stand on the word, because you know what? The data is more evident than ever before. Like, we win this argument that God's word is true about this versus what the world is doing. Like we win this every time. The data of brokenness, wrong sexuality or unhealthy sexuality, is, it's out there. God's truth and a way to live versus the way culture is living and the brokenness that's come with that, yeah. You should feel really confident about sharing this with somebody. Look, I know this. I've done probably... 100 weddings, and I've done some premarital counseling before, you know, uh, during the engagement period. And you know what I've never heard somebody say during the engagement period? I've never heard a guy say, 
you know what, Pastor Gary? I learned some things about her recently, and uh, she, she has a parking problem. Like, she's gotten tickets for parking. She clearly does not know how to park her car, and, you know, I don't think we can, we can get married. I've never heard that. And I've never heard, you know, a guy say, or a woman say, I don't think I can marry him because he's a jaywalker. You know, when the sign says, don't walk, he walks across the street. And it's really offensive, and I don't believe I can, can marry him. I've never heard that. Can I tell you what I have heard in this context of sex is messy and getting this wrong is messy? I've heard a fiance say, I, I just learned that he's got a porn addiction. And pastor, I don't know that I can marry him in the way he objectifies women and how it makes me feel degraded. It's messy and it's damaging. And you know what I've heard other, I've heard a fiance say? The pastor, I've recently found out about, like she's been with a lot of men and I didn't know it and I don't know what to do. It, 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 feels, it feels really broken. It feels really messy. I've seen that. And of course, we all know within the bounds of marriage when we get this wrong, it's the most rich brokenness that you'll ever experience in a marriage is when there's sexual brokenness in in the marriage. And so we know that it can be messy. And so we have the data to explain and say, okay, this is the truth. And we can step before people and share. Like These are the things that you need to know is going on in our culture today. I can tell you one thing I've also never heard in an engagement sort of premarital counseling. It's this, or sorry, after the wedding. This is something I've never heard. Ready? Boy, it really sucks that we kind of kept our purity together, Pastor. We, we, we really regret having kept ourselves pure before the wedding. No one says that. Nobody says they regret their purity once they're married. Again, we can proclaim this word, this truth, because we can stand behind so much of this, all of this, because we understand that the way this plays out, it, it, it's fully true and accurate. Here's the last thing you ought to be teaching regularly. Teach your kids or teach anybody you can that sexual purity is an act of worship. Explain this to your kids. A very famous scripture in Romans 12, 1 makes this clear. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer, offer your bodies, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Look, when you do this, here's what happens. This is your spiritual act of worship. Can I worship God singing songs to him? Yes. Can I worship God dancing for him? Yes. And you can also worship God with sexual purity, with your body. But he's, God's proclaiming this truth to us, and, and yet we have an enemy that stands in the gap and says, okay, you know what, believe these lies, believe these lies, sex is not a big deal, come on, don't listen to what he's saying, don't teach your kids things like your body belongs to God, and that sex is sticky, and it's messy, and, but it's also an act of worship, just kind of stand back and let culture take over, and the parents have been doing this for a while now. 
God sets up the church and says, okay, here's, here's a kid's ministry that you can partner with. It, it's just an hour or so a week, but, but here's kid's ministry. They're, they're not going to have talks like we're having here, but they're going to have God foundation talks and trusting God. And then your kids get into student ministry and you partner with our student ministry. And of course, you would take your kids, have them at student ministry. And so at student ministry, they're going to get talks like like this. Uh, every once in a while, anyways, not regularly, but every once in a while, they're going to get talks like this, and they're going to get conversations that kind of help them understand some biblical truths, and they're gonna, you're going to partner with the church, you're going to go home, and you're going to regularly talk about these things with your kids, and we're building this foundation, this base of strength in our kids' lives to know that, hey, God created them male and female, and the two were meant to become one flesh within marriage and this intimate act of lovemaking, this joining together with your spouse is pure and incredible and it was meant and designed for by, by God. And when our kids are strengthened, they can stand up when the pressure comes and says, you know what, oral sex isn't really sex, come on. It's okay, it's just, come on, porn is awesome. No, porn isn't awesome. It's damaging marriages and families, and it's degrading towards women. It's okay to be bi-curious. It's kind of cool. It's cool to kind of say that you are so that you can fit in with the crowd. There's nothing cool about it. There's nothing right about it. It's very opposite of God. It's ungodly. It's not awesome. God didn't create us for that. He created us male and female. The scriptures are clear. So parents, what do we do? We teach them. And we teach them. And we teach them. And we model it. You're trying to help somebody else discover the truth about God's word. You're modeling it, which is important. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to model it. And people will say, oh, well, they just write off our kids. You know, people say, that's just kids these days. They're just so messed up. That's just, you know what? We can't do anything about it now. We've just lost these kids. I mean, just let them be. Pastor, if they just want to do what they want to do, then just let them do what they want to do. Oh my goodness, no. The generations that are coming up today have more potential, I believe, than ever before. Now, they have a potential to go down the wrong path, which could be really ugly for our culture. But they also have a potential to go down the right path. They are more hungry for truth than any other generation. They are more hungry for a cause than any other generation. They are more hungry to make a difference in humanity than any other generation. And if they could be set on fire with the truth about who Jesus is, what an incredible difference-making group they could be. But it takes a people like us making sure we're teaching the truth. It says this in the scriptures. It says in Psalm 144, Five verse four, one generation, here's what we do. One generation commends God, your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. How do we help others know, other generations know? We talk about the amazing goodness of God and his plan for our lives. That's just what we do. And it's a part of God's word teaching as well. And like one generation teaches another. What happens if we don't? Judges 2.10. In all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And then arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. In one generation, just that quick, it can collapse. 
the goodness and truth of God in our culture and in our communities. One generation fails, and God's gonna get it done. He's gonna figure out how to bring restoration, and he already has, he, he seems pretty smart. But there's a lot riding on us as parents to get, to get this right. Ultimately, wherever you are in the sexual journey, if, you've, if you certainly have failed, maybe as a parent or in your own personal walk with God and the way you've modeled this, I'll give you this last scripture, we'll close. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. I'm gonna cry out to you, God, and you're gonna, I believe you can create a pure heart in me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You can turn to him today and ask for that fresh strengthening in your walk with God to, to speak boldly about your faith, a fresh strengthening to trust his word. And of course, if you're not a believer, you can cry out to him and come to know him today in our time together. I wanna pray for you now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these reminders. We understand, Lord, that there are some here. They are parenting still. God, I pray that these very four simple things they would do regularly. God, help them to be in the middle of these topics and proclaiming your word. Uh, perhaps there's somebody else here in our time together and in this journey, Lord, they are uh, just uh, dealing with their own doubts and struggles. And I pray, God, a fresh new joy in discovering you and your word and your truths for their own lives and the way they're living. And of course, for the unbeliever here, every week of this series, we've had people cross over the line and take a step of faith and to trust Jesus Christ. And you can do that today where you're seated. You can say, God, I, uh, I've certainly gone out of bounds on this and it has left me empty at and that's what the world does, Lord. I see that, and I'm ready to just turn to you today. I, I want to know, God, your truth for my life. And God says, if you will come to him through the gift of Jesus Christ, you can encounter his truth for your life in a way you've never known, a very freeing, loving, and powerful truth. You can turn to him, and the Bible says, through the gift of Jesus Christ, you can receive forgiveness. God, God, forgive me. I accept the gift of Jesus. I believe what he did on the cross and I am ready to be forgiven right now. Forgive me, God. Wash me, cleanse me. Make me new. I'm ready to discover the joy of your salvation and a new life in Jesus' name. Amen.